Welcome to Automation Notes, brought to you by Doc Digitizer. The Automation Notes podcast is a collection of new and inspiring insights about intelligent automation. We will discuss with the world's leading intelligent automation minds the most recent trends, success stories, and promising projects in the intelligent automation space. But before we dive into today's show, if you want to take your automation projects to an all-new level, leveraging critical data locked in your documents, photos, or emails, visit DocDigitizer.com and find out how you can deploy the world's most reliable intelligent document processing platform in less than one day. Thanks to its proprietary technology, using the most advanced AI breakthroughs in cognitive automation, natural language processing, and a built-in expertly designed human in the loop, Doc Digitizer offers the world's first all-inclusive intelligent document processing platform. They also offer unusual features like handwrite support, complex table data extraction, fraud detection, and out-of-the-box integration with UiPath, BluePrism, Automation Anywhere, and many other automation tools. So stop spending months getting data sets and training models to deploy an IDP tool and then end up with costly human-in-the-loop data validation on every single document. But don't just take my word for it. Take the word of leading global 2,000 organizations, all loving and using Doc Digitizer to unlock hyper-automation over complex and unstructured mission-critical processes. Head over to DocDigitizer.com and start your all-inclusive IDP journey. But it is now time for one more incredible Automation Notes show. Hello and welcome to our show. My name is João Fernandes, founder and CEO of Doc Digitizer, and I'll be your host for today's episode of Automation Notes. Brought to you by Doc Digitizer, Automation Notes is a podcast uh, that collects new and inspiring insights about intelligent automation and where we will share and discuss with our guests the most recent trends, success stories, and promising projects in intelligent automation. Today we have as our guest Manuel Nunch, Automation Consulting Lead at Roboyu. Manuel also was a, a, a guest in our season one uh, in, in Portuguese. So uh, I have high expectations for, for this episode. Uh, Manuel episodes on our first season was the most viewed episodes of, 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 of all the episodes on season one. So I hope this, this can sp uh, spice, uh, spice up uh, this episode. And, and Manuel, you should try as much as possible to uh, win more audience with, with this new episode in English. Uh, so thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. And uh, thanks for setting the bar so high, a lot of pressure. Uh, I think it will be easier for me because uh, I'm an Im immigrant for for about 10 years. It's actually my 10th year the, this year. So I think uh, you know English will be way easier than, than Portuguese nowadays. Fantastic, fantastic. And and perhaps we can start there. Uh, can you share with our audience who you are and what you do at Roboyo? Yeah, very cool. So um, so my name is Manu. I'm uh, I'm the regional consulting lead for South Europe at Roboyo. So that's really, at the moment, Iberia, where we have quite a big team, and, uh, and Italy, where we're ramping up like in the market. So we recently launched. And uh, I, I'm working in intelligent automation from, from the very beginning, right? It's my seventh year now and um, I actually started more on the technical side as, a, as an RPA developer working a lot with Blue Prism back in the day and uh, and today I, I actually lead like our advisory team so 
all the topics around the, the technical implementation that my colleagues do that touch like topics such as scaling, uh, how to discover potentials, how to set uh, operating models, how to actually create some, you know, gamification around uh, the whole topic that's, that sits with my team. Um, and then I have clients with, with different kind of, let's say, spectrum of maturities. So clients that got stuck on the journey, clients that are champions and, and they just want to put more fuel to, to their fire and then speed more. So it's, uh, it's quite interesting. And, um, Maybe a little a little word uh, word about Roboyo. So we are the worldest uh, the world largest intelligent automation pure play. So at the moment we are f- roughly 500 people that only do intelligent automation. And I think like many many companies in the field, we started you know with RPA back in the day, and now we have kind of all of these cool technologies where uh, I know you're quite familiar with them as well. That that uh, create this hyper automation ecosystem. So such as process mining, intelligent document processing, uh, business process automation. And basically, we use all of those to, to deliver process automation for, uh, for our clients. Fantastic. And you mentioned hyper-automation or intelligent automation. So that there, there, there are uh, a lot of terms. Uh, can, what can you share about this? Uh, and now, how is this impacting... Uh, Roboyo strategy because you are you you guys were I would say pioneers on on offering this uh, huge toolkit uh, of intelligent automation. So what can you tell our audience about this space and how how you guys are are handling it and and making it uh, an offer for for the market? Um, yeah, good good question. So I, I think you know. People use intelligent automation and hyper-automation kind of interchangeably nowadays, right? So maybe starting a little bit by defining the term. So in hyper-automation, I, I think it's it's a word that was defined by analysts. And uh, sometimes I think it's seen a little bit as with some, uh, you know, let's say uh, skepticism around LinkedIn. So I've seen a lot of posts uh, around that. Uh, so my my belief, and I think in in a way also Roboyo's belief, is that there's actually quite a lot of value be behind the word, right? So in NetNet, I, I think hyper automation is all about using these technologies that you can actually, you know, um, that that do different things in an orchestrated way to actually extract value from your business processes, right? And um, automation is one lever that you actually have there. Right, so and it's it's basically directly embedded within the word, because the the belief is that you can actually by digging deep into your business processes, standardizing them, um, you can actually find quite the opportunities to in the end automate them and use technology to basically free people to then, you know, do more interesting stuff like you know talk to customers and so on. Um, so I think hyper automation is kind of this big umbrella. And the word hyper, in, in my view as well, is it also, it's because in the last years, like clients have been, you know, tweaking and, and finding like the, let's say, better ways of doing it fast, right? Whether it's getting more value fast or doing stuff kind of faster in terms of project timelines and so on. So that's, that's a little bit how I would define it, using technology to orchestrate uh, and get business value out of process automation faster. Do you, do you think that uh, the term hyper automation is something 
beyond technologies because you mentioned of of course you have you start to have a lot of different tools that combine into a toolkit so technology is there uh, and it's becoming more and more uh broad and and uh, at some point a little bit more complex but is it also about the maturity of implementation and the maturity of operations yeah i, I 100% i i think there's so many variables in this type of um, implementations or, or or any IT implementation for that matter, right? So you have uh, the technology, and I think you should strive to select technology that fits, like let's say your your IT strategy, technology that is good, that is scalable, a little bit more the you know the the IT part of really looking at technology and, and making a good selection. But that that alone, it's not enough, right? So I think. Uh, bringing people on the journey of, of, of kind of implementations and transformations, it's so important, right? Because, you know, you can try all the coolest technology in the world if people don't use it, people don't kind of buy into the topic, whether it's people that sit on the implementation side that actually make the, let's say, really the magic and create the, the, the quality on the implementations or the, the key users in the end, right? I think you need buy-in from, from everyone. Um, and then you also have, specifically in the area where we implement, you also have a process component to it, right? So uh, I, I remember back back when I started all this this kind of my journey in intelligent automation, I I never challenged processes, right? I yeah. I was kind of I thought I was an automation consultant, so my task was to automate stuff, and eventually you mature and and you realize that you know you need to spend time on the process, understand you know, what it does, why it exists, challenge it, improve it. And then sometimes you you end up in the in automation as the answer. Sometimes you don't, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe just one example for the audience, process mining now, right? It's so um, popular, so asked by all the clients, right? And it's a great lever to find cases for automation, but it's also a great lever to find process improvements, right? It doesn't need to end in in automation and even though it's part of the the hyper automation uh, umbrella exactly and and do you do you think uh uh some some customers may be um may be addicted to short term automation gains uh because that that may jeopardize this uh, this holistic view on on hyper automation yeah i i think sometimes quantity like people are measured on quantity, right? How many yeah. automations I deployed, how many projects I've delivered. And and those are sometimes vanity metrics, right? And uh, and I think if you're measured on value, right? So how much kind of real impact you're creating, then you start thinking or looking at this a little bit different, right? So um, so my, my colleague in, in my region in, in uh, Roboyo, um, he used to lead the whole uh, program globally of intelligent automation for Philips. And um, he actually always tells this to our clients, which is he had a haha moment when he was looking at the stuff that he was doing and they had a lot of use cases live and the results were quite underwhelming. So they actually shifted a little bit where instead of doing a lot of projects, they were doing strategic use cases. So they spent much more time on finding them. They spent much more time on standardizing them. And the implementations of automation got also much bigger because the cases were complex, right? But in the end, the results were, you know, tenfold, right? Because as opposed to, you know, 
implement every little demand that comes to to the central team um they were actually they, they went looking for the big ones and usually there, there's there are many big ones uh, out there exactly exactly uh, uh, and connected with that uh, it's uh, we need also to to look at at the way this automation both the technology and the services around automation are sold uh and and uh And I know that you at Roboy have been experimenting a lot with, with these real cool new engagement models with customers. Uh, so what can you share about this? Can you share anything? <laughs> I, I can share a couple of things, yes. And um, and I think it's it's very much connected with the, this kind of last question of value, right? So uh, I, I think our point of view was to move a little bit the conversation of Uh, what's the day rate? What's how much time do is do I need to actually uh, put the project live, right? And what we wanted to do is an, a quick and easy way of uh, allowing clients to remove the uh, barriers of entry to automate um, and put our skin in the game in terms of you know we put ourselves in the same boat as the client, so we risk part of the fees of our engagements. Um, and we we basically tell the client if this is not a success, okay, we take the risk. If it's a, su a success, you pay the normal price. Right? It's not even that they are paying overpaying the um, the cost of the engagement. Um, so may maybe I'll give you a couple more more depth there. So the the um, the first service that I think is quite innovative. It's called plug and play automation, which is essentially the the Netflix of automation. So what we we did was we looked at our portfolio of services and we have you know, the part of discovery where you find use cases, the part of implementation where you implement them, and the part of support where you maintain them. And uh, we just said, instead of selling these as separate blocks to the clients, and then there, we always have this admin effort of, you know, the client wants to kind of really scope it differently and then etc. We just wrapped everything into a kind of a, a subscription fee monthly. The clients only pay when the process goes live. So if you if running on the assumption that we select very good processes, the return is immediate, right? Because the moment the process starts to give benefit, that's the one we start charging. Um, and basically, the only thing that we need really from uh, from the client in order for us to get started is um, a list of cases that we want to explore and onboard on the system, right? And for the client, it's really kind of worry less, right? Because you can, you know, really bring us to run the automation and the client runs the, like its normal business. Um, and for us, it's basically a way to to tell the client that we are willing to do projects at our own risk, right? If you trust in us, because we trust in our ability to get stuff to production, to, to deploy it quite fast and to then unlock the value. So that's one example um, that I think it's quite innovative. And, um, and I think more on the outcome-based fees, which was another, Another question there is, for example, there's many assessments um, that sometimes the clients see them as a, a barrier of entry to actually start the whole journey, right? Uh, why should I pay, um, like, let's say, for an assessment to find use cases when I can just, you know, source ideas from the functions and let them, you know, uh, submit ideas? And um, what we've seen when we actually compared in our clients The clients that do a structured assessment in the beginning uh, versus the clients that source ideas from, let's say, functions that might not have the full awareness on the topics, is that clients that take the time to do the assessment, 
they have longer progr programs, they have more value because they prioritize the program, uh, let's say, in the right order. So they automate the most valuable stuff uh, earlier. Um, and in general, they can create more awareness than the, the kind of the teams that just wait for demands, right? And so we decrease the barriers of entry there. We tell the clients, we do the assessments like, like much kind of, let's say, at our own risk because we know it's going to be valuable for, for the client and ultimately for us as well as a professional services provider, basically. Exactly. And, and that, that is a fantastic move and, and, and some fantastic ideas and insights. Uh, I would say that the market itself is, 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 uh, is very anxious to get some framework that, that is proven so they can kick off their projects because at some point, most of them don't know how to start and, and, and they look for, for ways uh, to start, but probably those ways are not the best ones. Uh, so if you have this kind of, of uh, knowledge base and, and experience in deploying this over several industries, uh, I think your your customers will benefit a, a lot for 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 having those skills up front in the project because if you start the project uh, uh, like that, you most definitely then speed up the process and get get um, uh, get more out of the automation. Uh, and I think this is very connected to so, some of the initiatives that you are doing uh, by launching uh, an operations center. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about what you do at your operation center and how is this helping uh, your customers on their automation journey? Yes, so it's connected again with speed. So uh, one of the, the kind of the biggest feedbacks I hear on uh, from, from clients is uh, we, we had a very good journey or a very good speed in the beginning. And then we, we reached the, let's say, a certain number of processes in operations uh, that now operations is consuming the capacity I have to actually tackle new projects, right? It's nothing new. It's probably yeah. now a little bit new in our in our field because we're reaching that point of maturity. But fr from an IT point of view, right? Once you have stuff in production, you know, it doesn't run itself. You need to maintain it. And, uh, and so looking at that, more and more requests started coming. And it, it's not only this year, I think it's already for a couple of years of clients that want to externalize these kind of, let's say, robotic operations, right? So really, listen, Roboy, we have now 100, 200 processes here that we want you guys to run them, do the incidents for them, do the change requests and so on. So we can actually focus on continuing the program, right? So expanding more technologies and so on. Uh, and so what, what we've done was creating kind of a, like a, a proper dedicated team that has kind of the whole customer experience there, the the, the technical know-how to actually do the operations. And um, and it actually operates from, uh, from Barcelona, uh, Mexico and India. And uh, in Barcelona, the guys sit uh, very close to, to me where I'm based. And uh, th that's a little bit where where the idea came from. Fantastic. So, so you are essentially keeping uh, uh, the robots of your customers alive, and giving give giving them time to to work on on the new initiatives and automate more and more and more without being uh, being stuck on managing what they already have. It's it's really amazing, and I would say that 
as the maturity of the market increases and the number of, 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 of processes uh, increases, uh, this kind of, of offering uh, would be uh, really key to support to support uh, um, COEs and 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 uh, and automation departments. Um, I know that you also have been uh, experience uh, a new uh, a slight shift on uh, on way on on the way customers approach their their the identification of new opportunities. So traditionally, you have this approach of of focusing on 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 cost cutting projects or cost-cutting opportunities and uh, now this is this has been shifting a little bit more towards uh, gaining uh, business opportunities gaining more money selling more can you share a little bit about uh, this and your 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 insights about this yeah, so I've I've been thinking a lot about about this this topic actually, and um, and I think it's actually something that we've been tinkering on our uh, discovery approaches to to actually incorporate also this this market feedback, because so traditionally and and traditionally is basically the past five years, what we've been doing to find use cases for automation, um, it's essentially cost mapping, right? So. We, we understand how many people do particular processes. We make an assumption on how much we can actually address those processes with automation. And based on labor cost, we actually come with, let's say, a pipeline for use cases. We come up with our top opportunities and so on. Um, so the, the reason th this approach is obviously cool to, to build a backlog and, and to kind of prioritize the top cases. And I think it still has a lot of value. But because it's like the starting point is processes and activities that we actually do today, sometimes misses a little bit uh, processes that we could be doing and that we are not doing because we don't have capacity, where automation could actually give a lot of, let's say, benefit and create actually a lot of revenue, right? So I'll give you a couple of concrete examples, right? So when, when the, the, the pandemic started, a lot of the companies in retail they experienced like a disproportionate uh, number of, uh, you know, charge chargeback defenses. So it's the process where when you order something online and then you return it, you actually need to, you claim back your money, right? So for you as a consumer, you're waiting a couple of days until your money is credited back. But for, for the, the company itself, they need to actually do the cross check on the, let's say, on the supply chain side of things, did the, the goods return to our warehouses, did did somebody sign when they arrived there and so on and then you also need to do the money part really confirm have i paid this this kind of reimbursement before and so on and um and the, the, this process right if you just apply like some some thinking there's so much fraud uh, potential in this process and so there's a process that you should be doing in your business processes that you are not doing it manually because the volume there just peaked you don't, right? have, you don't have capacity. There you go. And if you do like a standard ass assessment just to map costs, this process does not, you don't need to identify it to automate, right? So I think something that is quite um, key is to actually start, you know, using automation not only to, you know, do cost cutting. And it's, it's not that easy to say that now in a potential recession, but uh, not only to do it in, in cost cutting, but also to, you know, find new ways of actually generating uh, revenue. 
I don't, I don't know if you think we have time. I have another use case on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please share. Cool. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we have um, uh, a hotels group um, uh, clients, and they they used automation for a very simple process that nobody was doing manually, right? And the process was uh, logging in into the portal, like for example, Booking.com, and checking how many rooms are available in in a particular hotel, and then cross-checking that against how many rooms are open in the system of the internal system of the hotel. And in theory, that should always match, right? Yeah. Because um, basically a receptionist, when they, they lock uh, a room in the internal system, it should be reflected everywhere. But because there are different, let's say, bonus schemes, for, depending on where the books, uh, the, the bookings come from, what what happened for that that uh, hotel for that client was that they they realized that the receptionists were blocking the rooms in the system that had uh, give uh, like lower bonus to them, uh, so the the bookings always came from the right uh, let's say channels, and by doing this cross check the 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 client actually realized that they were overpaying on on bonus quite a lot right, and that's just one one example of uh, you know something that's you can use automation to actually do processes that manually you're not doing them. Yeah, very cool example. And uh, let me also share that we have been also noticing this when it comes to the lead time of processes. So um, in there, there, there are quite a few processes like uh, loans processes in banks or claims processes and insurance uh, where where we see at Talk Digital is that, that customers value a lot the speed time uh, of those processes. So through automation, they are able to collapse the time they take to answer customers. And that by itself has a, a value that, that, that is way way, way uh, uh, above the, the, the cost savings that, that, that they have uh, on, on their back office. So, yeah, I, I must say that the way we identify the processes need to change, need to be more holistic and need to spot these kind of opportunities that can go uh, uh, not, not that don't focus only on on cut save or cost savings, uh, and I, I completely agree with you. It's like uh, it's it's uh, a sea of opportunities if we look at automation as an enabler and not really as a, a cost a cost cutting tool. Uh, going and, and and now now moving to, to to the future and 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 outlooking the trends. Where do you see intelligent automation five years from from now? Uh, hmm. Yeah, I, I think, I, this is always a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I think in in uh, you know if I'm I'm thinking whether five years ago I would have guessed where this is now. <laughs> so just to see my so so the audience also you know has some level of confidence in my predictions. <laughs> I think I, I think probably five years it's uh, it's it's quite hard to to say. I I do think that the 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 biggest trend I see is um, orchestration, right? So not thinking about any more about technology separately, but actually putting all together, right? And looking at the processes end to end and some part is done with RPA, some part is doing with IDP. So I think orchestration will be a big one. It's already there, but it's not there to, to the scale and quality that I think really makes it adopted. Um, I think another 
area that I've been thinking a lot is process mining, for example, gives you the past, right? Gives you the historical data. But I think we still don't have a tool that gives us the future, right? So process simulation. And I, I know that a couple of our BPM partners, Appian and, and the Bisagi, as an example, they're kind of playing with a couple of these features. And I think they're going to be very cool, which is, um, let's say, in supply chain, is very cool. I have my process completely mapped out, right? And now I can, like, let's say, do modeling and, and do kind of, let's say, scenario testing with my process. What happens? If um, you know my the the kind of the the price table of these goes up and the, I have a bottleneck on this step on that step in the future, how do kind of let's say my throughput reacts? I think this will be quite cool uh, once we actually have let's say digital twins from offline processes, let's say online, that yeah. we then can test them in a much more a more kind of end to end way because now now te test automation. It started to be applicable to, you know, to kind of automation processes, um, but it, it typically tests a component of an end-to-end -end process. And I think in the future you're going to be able to test end-to-end -end processes uh, in the in a simulated way. And I think it will be quite cool to to be able to do that. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I always like to ask our guests to share some suggestions of uh, of a book podcast or person to follow uh so our audience can know more about uh, this space what are your suggestions um hmm. I, i i tend to take a lot of ideas from uh, non-automation uh, let's say reading uh, i really like the the four hour work week so it was a book that actually uh i don't i don't even know if i recommended this on the portuguese version so hope, hopefully it's a different <laughs> one Uh, from from Team Ferries, uh, so it yeah. changed my uh, a lot of um, kind of let's say my career and uh, and also the way I think about a lot of things. Uh, and I I read it kind of when I was in high school, I think, and I've been a follower ever since. Yes, also has a very cool podcast, and uh, I, I recommend that one. And uh, and then there's a very cool book also from Richard uh, Richard Feynman, which is stories about uh, his life, which is called. Uh, surely you're joking, Mr. Feynman, which I would recommend as well. And I saw it in FNAC for the Portuguese audience. Fantastic. So it's in Portuguese now. <laughs> Fantastic. And what is next for you and Roboyo? And how, how can our audience, if they want to understand more about your offer or engage with you, how, how they can reach out to you? Um, yeah, I mean, we it, for, for myself personally, I'm, I'm still having a ton of fun in, uh, in intelligent automation. So I think uh, I'm... I'm basically going to continue doing what I do, like talking with clients. And I, I have kind of clients in so many different verticals that the work is always uh, fun. Uh, and I think for Roboyo specifically, we, we're kind of on a, on a growth mission for, um, for quite many years now, but I think that's here to stay. And uh, just, just look us up on LinkedIn and see what we are doing. If you want to speak with me uh, specifically, Uh, I'm also like reachable on on LinkedIn, uh, so uh, I think it's Manuel uh, J C Nunes. So like my name here in the screen, and uh, I think LinkedIn is is the best one to get in touch with me. Yes, and and I must say that Roboyo uh, uh, published a, a lot of uh, webinars that are really amazing. So uh, if you want to know more about intelligent automation and their work, please uh, subscribe to their YouTube channel. Amazing content. 
uh, a lot of events also, so stay tuned. Uh, Manuel, hosting this episode was really a pleasure to me, uh, and I, I always like very much to, to talk with you. It's very refreshing. Always, You always surprise me. So thank you again for taking some time out. I know that you are very busy, very, very busy. So thanks again for, for taking the time to chatting with me and for being on our show. Yeah, cool. João, thank you so much for inviting me again. So before we close, uh, if you are looking to uh, parse through a wide range of unstructured contents, document emails if you want, if you need data from those contents, and if you are looking to uh, deploy intelligent document processing, but if you are also tired of very complex processes uh, and low data accuracy, uh, visit our website, www.docdigitize.com and find out how you can deploy an all-inclusive IDP platform that ensures you 100% accuracy over any document without you being worried about training, templating, that is six times faster to deploy than traditional tools, and more than that, that ensures that you don't need to validate data. Uh, if you want to, to stay up to date with the latest intelligent automation trends, success stories, and promising projects such as Roboyo, make sure you like and subscribe to Automation Notes at Talk Digital Social Networks. I have been your host, John Fernandes, and this has been Automation Notes. See you next time. What a fantastic show. So many incredible takeaways. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to stay updated with the most recent intelligent automation trends, success stories, and promising projects, please subscribe to Automation Notes on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Anchor, and YouTube. You can find the links in the subscription. We release a new episode every two weeks. But before we leave you today, if you want to take your automation projects to an all-new level, Leveraging critical data locked in your documents, photos, or emails, visit docdigitizer.com and find out how you can deploy the world's most reliable intelligent document processing platform in less than one day. You can get 100% accurate data from nearly any document with close to zero setup and a full pay-per-use model, all into a single API call. Whether you are looking to process a simple invoice, streamline your customer onboarding journey or get data from your legal contracts, Doc Digitizer will be your trusted IDP partner. Doc Digitizer offers an all-in-one, fully managed API, making intelligent document processing truly easy. But don't just take my word for it. Take the word of leading global 2,000 organizations, all loving and using Doc Digitizer to unlock hyper-automation over complex and unstructured mission-critical processes. Doc Digitizer is helping companies across multiple industries to reach their full potential through data by empowering their digital transformation, drive operational efficiency and human productivity, unlocking the power of their data. Head over to docdigitizer.com and start your all-inclusive IDP journey. Use the code AUTOMATIONNOTES10 and get 10% discount on any Doc Digitizer subscription. See you next time. Thank you.